All right, here we are. Welcome into another edition of Designated for Assignment. Josh Goldberg here, and uh, we have finally made it after six months of regular season baseball. At times, there were certainly doubts whether the Blue Jays would get to this point, but uh, they did enough. They make the postseason. They're the third and final wild card spot um, in the American League. And they are going to take on the Minnesota Twins in a best of three series beginning Tuesday night at Target or Tuesday afternoon at Target Field. And uh, we will break it all down. And before we get into that, uh, just a little bit of a word on how this went down. I think it's pretty fitting that the Blue Jays kind of back their way into the playoffs, right? They win the first game on Friday against the Rays, 11 to four. They're in good position. And then they lose on Saturday, uh, didn't play particularly well. Uh, uh, the walk to Rymel Tapia, you know, Taylor Walls has that big hit and they lose. And then Seattle does them a real solid and blows it against Texas and that whittles down their magic number to zero and they get into the playoffs. And it just feels very fitting for the way that the season has gone that uh, in the end, it required somebody else doing the job for you, so to speak, to get you in because, yeah, who knows what would have happened on Sunday had they needed to win. But uh, it was huge because the prospect of um, not having Kevin Gosman available in the wildcard series, or maybe if it gets to a game three, you pitch him on short rest was really rough. And uh, now you're have a perfect alignment in terms of your pitching. Um, You've got Gosman in game one, and then we'll see what happens based on, on maybe the result of game one, the rest of the way we can talk about that uh, in a little while. The regular season is in the rear view mirror. I understand that um, a lot of what happened and, and some of the, trends or stats or what have you of the regular season could very well be a precursor to what might happen over as little as 27 hours on on Tuesday and Wednesday in Minnesota but maybe things will be different ideally things will be different and and uh the blue jays will have some success in, in the postseason for the first time in 7 years so looking at these two teams It's a real uh, immovable, uh, irresistible force meets immovable object in terms of recent playoff utility, let's call it. The Twins have way worse. They haven't won a playoff series since 2002. Um, It's been really bad. I I understand that a lot of their losses have come to the Yankees. Rocco Baldelli, I believe, is 0-5 in the postseason as Twins manager. They haven't made it in a couple of years, but they really struggle in the playoffs. There's no getting around it. And the Blue Jays, well-documented with this group, this is now the third time in four seasons they've made it. They're 0-4 in the postseason. Obviously, they got swept in the wild card round against the Rays three years ago in 2020. And then I'm not going to rehash it. We we know what happened last year um, against Seattle. So, Somebody, something's got to give here. One of these teams is going to move on and take on the Houston Astros, which is not the best, but a lot of people saying, oh, well, I, I don't love playing the Astros. I, at this point, there's no point in looking ahead. Uh, you got to take care of business here. And I, I was honestly looking at this and did I rather the Twins? Did I rather the Rays? I don't think it really matters. I don't think beggars can be choosers in this situation. The Jays needed every bit of nearly 162 games to make the playoffs and then required some help. And 
I don't think that the twins are some easy matchup that you should be happier that they're playing them than the Rays. I understand the track record is what it is against Tampa Bay and particularly is what it is at Tropicana field. So I, I guess by that you could look at the twins as a better matchup, but there are some, some concerning things about taking on the twins. You look at particularly power on the offensive side of things. The twins hit a ton of home runs. They finished the regular season tied for third in major league baseball in home runs. Blue Jays, I believe finished 18th. I understand that um, runs and home runs are at more of a premium in the playoffs because you're facing the best of the best and bullpens are deployed in a very aggressive manner. You could see, high leverage relievers in the fourth inning, depending on how things go. But that's a great equalizer. And Minnesota flat out is a better home run hitting team than the Blue Jays. I I don't care what the rosters look like. I understand that Carlos Correa had a shit year. Byron Buxton had a shit year. Lots of guys on the Twins. You look at their roster as it currently is constructed. I don't know what the story is with Royce Lewis. I think that's going to be a real X factor. I would expect he's going to play whether he's a DH or or what have you. He's a big part of what the twins want to do on the offensive side of things. But even if he's limited or, or something to that effect, uh, you look at their, their roster and yeah, it's not exactly loaded with household names, but there are a lot of guys who can do damage. Uh, Max Kepler had a good year. He had 24 home runs. Michael A. Taylor had 21 home runs. Uh, Eddie Julian, really good Canadian, had a 381 on base, has some power. Royce Lewis obviously had a great year. Ryan Jeffers had a good year. Jorge Polanco can hit. There's not a lot of guys. Matt Wallner had a good year. There are a lot of guys, Alex Kirilov, there are a lot of guys on their team that don't scream game breaker, difference maker, star, but they can put a ton of pressure on you if you're not sharp. And uh, looking at game one, you know, Kevin Gosman has struggled at times against Minnesota as a Blue Jay. A lot of the times it seems like it's come at home. So maybe it's a better situation that he is not going to be pitching at Rogers Center. But you look at on June 11th this year at home against the Twins, he went four and two thirds, seven hits, six earned runs, four walks, four strikeouts. He really struggled. And then last year, I believe I'm looking, I think he might at least one start, if not two. Yeah, he made another start June the 5th at uh, home against the Twins, three and two thirds, nine hits, five runs, three earned, three strikeouts, a walk. And I believe he also started a game. Yes, he did. He was really good at target field on August the 7th of 2022. Six innings of six hit shutout with five strikeouts and no walk. So they seem to just have a very good approach against that fastball split combination. And we'll see if he is able to get it going. There have been some bumps in the road, I would say, for him down the stretch. He's had some great starts. He's had some not so great starts. He's going to have to obviously be sharp because... I think that the way I would deploy the rotation, I think, is sort of dependent on what happens in game one. So I would say if they lose, I would go to Bassett in game two. I just think that the way he's been pitching as of late and just I feel like his ability to find it in a big moment i'd i'd rather have him with my back against the wall than brios and that's not a knock on brios because if you do win game two 
you're going to need Brios in game three. I, I just would like that a little bit more. And I, I have no issue starting Brios in game three. I, I think that would be totally fine. Um, but if they win game one, then I think I go to Brios in, in game two. And then if you lose game two, you have Bassett in a win or go home situation in game three. Um, I, I think that Kikuchi will be on the roster. I don't know what his role will be. I guess he'll be available if a starting pitcher struggles and then you go to him early in a game for a couple of innings, potentially Uh, maybe there's a situation where you go to him. The twins do have a fair number of left-handers. Maybe you line it up that way where he can come in for a couple of outs and then at the end of an inning, and then depending on the situation, maybe you go back to him. I think that's, it's all about, you know, being flexible in the playoffs and, and playing the matchups obviously and maximizing um, your team's strengths and trying to highlight the opposition's weaknesses. And it's going to be a big series for John Schneider. No no two ways about it. I understand that some people are down on Schneider. I, I have no issue with that. There have been certainly some head-scratching moments, more than a few at times during the season. And then obviously in the postseason last year, we remember what happened in in game two, you're going to have to just be on the ball. You have to make the right decisions and you have to have a good feel for letting your starting pitcher go versus maybe going to the bullpen in, in a particular spot that maybe isn't the most conventional in a regular season setting. The way you manage a playoff game versus the way you manage a regular season game, it's, it's basically not even the same sport. You just have to really have a good finger on the pulse mentality of, pushing the right buttons for your team at the right times. And, you know, if you don't, it can really end up being the difference between success and failure. So it's going to be big for him. And um, you look at the starting rotations as we kind of break this down. I give the the edge on the offensive side to the twins because I, I understand that in terms of you look at it in a vacuum, a talent perspective, the Jays have more talent, especially if Correa... Bucks and Lewis are limited or don't play. The Jays have more talent and they have bigger names, et cetera. But the Twins were a more productive team in the regular season. And I give the edge to the Twins. I, I don't really even think it's that close, at least based on what happened in the regular season. So the Twins have the edge on the offensive side of the ball. You look at the starting rotation, it's going to be very interesting. So the game one matchup will be Gosman against Pablo Lopez, who I would say was largely very good in the regular season, had um, a, a pretty strong year, was consistent, 234 strikeouts and 194 innings, 366 ERA, made 32 starts, set a bunch of career highs um, across the board. He is hittable. He did give up 24 home runs, which was a career high. Like He, he has very, very good stuff. And the Blue Jays are certainly the type of team that uh, he is very capable of, you know, kind of shutting down. He's given up more than a home run per inning pitched in his career. He gave up 1.1 homers per nine this year. You can, you can hit him hard. He has struggled at times giving up hard contact and there's a scenario in which he's gettable, but he's going to be tough. And then Sonny Gray, I would assume, is probably going to start game two. And there's a decent chance that 
he's in the top three in American League Cy Young voting. Maybe he finishes second. Maybe he finishes third to Garrett Cole and Gosman finishes second or third. I think that's probably the top three. And that's tough. And then if you get to a game three situation, I would assume it will be Joe Ryan. And he had a, a bit of a bumpy year. Four five one ERA, but a lot of strikeouts and is certainly very capable of putting up a good outing. And it's going to be tight. No question. I'd give the edge by a little bit to the Jays in the rotation. They deserve the benefit of the doubt with how good they've been. Really the top four. And then Ryu has been up and down. He, I don't think will be on the postseason roster. I would assume he's probably thrown his last pitch as a member of the blue Jays, but I'd give the, the nod to the Jays in the rotation in terms of bullpen. It's, you know, on you would think just by looking at it that for sure the Blue Jays would have the the big advantage there. And I do think that they they do have the edge. Um, but the twins have a sneaky, pretty good bullpen. Obviously, we'll see what happens with how the Jays deploy it. Is Romano the guaranteed closer? I don't I think it's different in the playoffs. I don't think you're saving your quote unquote closer for the de facto save situation. I think that if there's a situation in the seventh inning where an an important spot comes up and you want to put out a fire, then you might go to your closer in that situation. I just think that you can't be married to the traditional roles of your bullpen arms in the playoffs, because I, I just think, Look at what happened. I know that it, it's easy to look back at 2016 and Buck Showalter. I understand that that was a very extreme situation, but saving your closer for a safe situation that might never arise. I, I just think that I, I don't love that mentality in the playoffs. I think you just have to manage what's in front of you and not what might or might not happen in a couple of innings. So yeah, I think that, in in a perfect world, if everything goes according to plan, you're probably still using Romano in the traditional ninth inning role. I understand that he's had some bumps in the road. Jordan Hicks, I think, is very capable and and should be tasked with getting important outs in high leverage situations. Um, same with Swanson. You've got Cabrera and Meza, obviously, to throw at a variety of left-handed hitters, which we know the Twins have, whether it's um, Kepler, whether it's Julian Polanco, I guess is, I, I can't, I think Polanco might be, a, um, a switch hitter, but I think he's better from the left-hand side. So you want to turn him around. Um, I don't think that that's the worst situation in the world that like the twins have enough depth that they'll be able to throw pinch hitters at guys later in games. So, uh, the bullpen I think is set up nicely. It's not one of these situations where it's like, oh yeah, they were great in the regular season, but I don't think that that's going to translate to the postseason. I think what we saw is, is very translatable to what might happen in October. I don't think that there's anything that happened in the regular season from the bullpen that you say, oh, is unsustainable or it's waiting. It's just, it's waiting to collapse like a house of cards. I, I think you should feel pretty good about the state of affairs of the bullpen heading into October, but the twins have a good bullpen uh, of their own. It's not exactly loaded with guys that you would look at as household names, but uh, 
Yohan Duran is arguably to me the most entertaining pitcher to watch. He's got such electric stuff. There can be some command issues at times, but he averages 102 with his fastball. It's going to be tough. And he throws a, a good curve and he throws a splitter as well. He keeps you off balance. His strikeout numbers were good. He had 27 saves, struck out more than 12 per nine, a two, four, five ERA. His walk rate was over three and a half per nine. So there are some issues there, but if you see him uh, in a close game or you're trailing, it's probably not the best thing in the world. And then you look at the rest of their bullpen. I, I know Emilio Pagan has had some issues for the twins, especially last year, but he had a good year this year. His ERA was under three. Uh, Louis Varland started some games for them earlier in the season, but transitioned to a bullpen role can throw hard out of the bullpen. There are a lot. Griffin Jacks has been good. Caleb Thielbar has been good. Chris Paddock to me is real X factor. He, he came back late in the season after Tommy John was throwing really hard out of the bullpen. His numbers weren't amazing in terms of his ERA in five innings, but his peripherals were very good. His strikeout numbers were very good. He's the type of guy who I think can can really emerge as uh, a big weapon for the Twins out of the bullpen. So they're not going to be an easy task either. Uh, I would still give the edge to the Blue Jays, but uh, Minnesota's bullpen, I think, is is not something that you can take all that lightly. And then... Looking at the managers, I, I don't. I think it's sort of an incomplete. Both of these guys, Baldelli and Schneider, have a ton to prove. Neither has won a postseason game. Both respective fan bases. I think you could say this about any team and any fan base in terms of their relationship with the manager. You're always going to just be nitpicking, and a lot of times it can be deserved, and maybe sometimes not as much. But at this point, it's a put up or shut up situation. You just have to get your respective team past this point both of these teams need to move on it's very very important for both of these managers i would say to have a good showing and get a playoff win under their respective belts so to me right now it's an incomplete it's a toss-up i don't think one of these guys has a huge edge over the other it's just at this point figuring out the right decisions to make and doing enough pushing the right buttons to put your team in a position to have some playoff success for the first time in a long time. Um, Looking at uh, the lineup, I would say looking at it, if I were to put my hat on and take a guess what game one will look like, I would guess it'll be Springer, Belt, Guerrero, Bichette, Biggio, Kirk, Kiermaier, Chapman, Varsho. I don't think Whit Whit Merrifield is going to be in the lineup in game one. I just don't think that he's performed um, well enough at at this stage down the stretch to warrant it. I think BGO against a a right-handed pitcher should be in there at second base, and I expect he will be. And then looking at the, the playoff roster, I believe the Jays have to petition or whatever, write a note or something to the commissioner's office to see if Cam Eden can be put on the postseason roster because of when he was added after um, September. I might be wrong on that, but I, I believe that is the case. I think that his speed should probably be on it, to be totally honest. Um, I just think that you need that late game versatility and speed 
to be out there. And I, I think that he should probably be on it. Is David Schneider going to be on it? I think that's a real question mark to be totally honest. Um, I, I, I would say it's a toss up to be honest. I wouldn't be shocked one way or the other um, if he was or wasn't on it. I think it'll be released tomorrow morning before the game starts Tuesday morning. If you're listening to this on Monday and we'll see what happens, but I, I would like to see Cam Eden on the, uh, the postseason roster. I think he brings something to the table that would uh, be valuable to the blue Jays. Okay. So we got some tweets about, uh, I guess, imp- X factors, predictions, uh, questions. Uh, Kyle Clark says, Royce Lewis being out for them is huge. He was raking down the stretch before he got injured. I, I think Royce Lewis is going to play, to be honest, even if he's at far less than 100%. It's the postseason. You'll limp your ass around there, and they need him. So I would expect he's going to play. Uh, and then he also brings up Bichette's health. I did not like their decision to play him at all in the final game, let alone the entire game. He looked a little sore, possibly from the slide, but still, well, I don't think him playing versus not playing is at yesterday on Sunday is. I, I think he's, I've said this for the last couple of weeks. I don't think he's anywhere near a hundred percent. I saw in the aftermath and the celebration, he had a wrap on his right knee. I believe it's clearly an issue, but I don't think him not playing on Sunday was going to increase his health by a substantial margin. That's going to make some discernible difference in the postseason. I think he's just going to have to gut through it. And, uh, and do his best. And, and uh, that's all I really can say about it. Uh, James says, all right, I'll, I'll throw you one after what we saw yesterday as in, uh, as in Saturday, I guess, do you still feel the ninth in a safe situation will go to Romano or has a shift occurred and where the twins are in the order will be a factor. I, I think that, I don't know if it's necessarily a shift, but I think that, like I said, the postseason is different. I, I don't think that you can necessarily, like I said, save it for the ninth. I think that I don't think Jordan Romano is has been usurped as the reliever that uh, that you trust. I understand it's bumpy at times. I think that you could say this about every team and every fan base. I, I think that sometimes you get this tunnel vision where you're only watching the team that you cheer for and you only are have I guess eyes for what the players on the team you root for are doing. And yes, Jordan Romano is far from perfect this season. He had some, certainly some bumps in the road, but I think if you watched any team for 162 games and any closer high leverage reliever for 162 games, you would probably say, Oh God, there have been stretches where I don't trust this, this particular guy at all. Um, and that's just sort of the nature of, of fandom. You get these kind of blinders on to every other team and, and you're only focused on what's going on with the team that you, um, cheer for. And I still think Jordan Romano is an upper echelon closer. Yes, there are certainly some, some issues, but like, look at the year that Emmanuel Classe had for the Cleveland guardians. He was terrible relative to what he did last season when he won, um, reliever of the year. Every closer goes through stretches where they are not sharp. And that just sort of is what it is. Alexis Diaz with the Reds had a great year, but had plenty of moments. Um, there are a lot of guys who just, at times you're just, how, how would Houston Astros fans feel about Ryan Presley at an ERA over 3.5? Uh, it, it's just, 
it's never going to just be smooth sailing every time. So I'm still good with Romano. I think he'll be used in important spots, but I don't think that um, it's necessarily a guarantee that he's going to be saved for the ninth inning. I think you can feel good about deploying. That's the ideally the beauty of this Blue Jays bullpen is that you can feel good about deploying any number of relievers, whether it's Romano, Hicks, Swanson, Green, Garcia even. I know that there have been some bumps in the road. And then against lefties, Meza, Cabrera. There are a lot of guys that you should feel good about in important spots if you play the matchups right, getting out. So um, I don't think that there's a big shift that has occurred based on what happened um, over the last week with Romano giving up the two-run home run to Wells, I think, against the Yankees. Uh, I don't think that it's um, really changed the equation that much. Alan says the key factors, can the Jays hit good pitching? Uh, (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine, to be totally honest. Uh, I don't have any clue if they can. They haven't of late. They have at points this season, but they certainly haven't on the stretch. You don't love the, the way that things have gone of late in that respect, but anything can happen in the playoffs a bullpen management management. We seem to have zero relievers that are successful on day of back-to-back appearances. I do think that that is a factor. A lot of uh, blue Jays relievers don't seem to pitch as well on back-to-back days. And you're going to have to do that in the playoffs. Uh, The way that the schedule is, if you want to go deep, you're going to look at what happened last year with the Astros. They were, absolutely riding a couple of bullpen guys into the ground. Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, um, obviously Presley as well. And you're just going to have to find a way to be as effective as you possibly can be. Um, And the track record isn't the best for certain relievers on the Blue Jays pitching on back-to-back days, but there's no getting around it. You're just, you're going to have to find a way. Um, and then game plan. Are we going to be aggressive steal slash hit and run, trying to move a, a runner up a base or sit back and sit bio steal. Uh, I, I think it's all situational. I don't think that, I think that this has been a more aggressive team. They've stolen more bases this year. There's been more, um, I guess, unconventional isn't necessarily the right word, but relative to what we've seen, over the years, this has definitely been a more aggressive base running team um, than we've seen in years past. They still weren't great in the stolen base department. They were 22nd in the regular season in stolen bases, but it's a better base running team. It's a smarter base running team. So I do think that uh, at least I hope, and again, that's on the manager to be cognizant of certain situations and getting a runner moving to stay out of a double play, a hit and run, trying to steal a base, that sort of thing. You know, I obviously hate bunting, but in the playoffs, is there a situation in which it's less objectionable? Perhaps I'm never going to be a big bunt guy, though. Uh, that's that you're never going to hear me stumping for bunting. So that's never going to happen. Uh, Janet says, when is the roster announced? I think Tuesday before the game. I don't think it'll be today as we record this on Monday. Um, Sam says, does going to Minnesota change anything about your game two starter? No, I, I, like I said, I think regardless of whether you played Tampa or or Minnesota, I think that the result of game one for me has a lot of bearing on what happens in game two. I think that win means Barrios for me, loss means go to Bassett. And then if you get to game three, you don't feel particularly badly about Barrios starting 
um, in that situation. Uh, Weiss says, wondering your take on how you feel Schneider will approach the leash with his starters going into the series. Do you have more faith in the rotation or bullpen against the Twins lineup? I have faith in both. They deserve faith. They they both, I would say, I guess I have more faith in the rotation, but I, it's not as though I, I, I have lost any faith in the bullpen. There's just, you could go into it and say, oh yeah, I have no faith and then they're great or you have tons of faith and then they're not great. I have no reason to really waver in confidence in the pitching of the Blue Jays. Um, I don't think that, like I said, in years past, maybe success you would say is is um, not indicative of what happened in the regular season. It's not indicative of what might happen in the postseason. There's there's no real reason if you pop the hood on stats or anything of that sort that you would look at what the Blue Jays did on the pitching side of things in over 162 games and say, oh yeah, well they're they're it's they're bound to just go into the shitter in in the playoffs. I I just don't subscribe to that. Um, it could happen, but there's nothing that's staring me in the face that says, oh yeah, they're this is like a house of cards waiting to collapse. I think that you should feel pretty confident. I hope Schneider has a good feel for things. Um, You obviously with the Gosman situation last year, he probably, if not definitely got taken out, I would say prematurely in game two against Seattle. You have to have a good feel for those situations. And if it's a pitcher like Kevin Gosman, you feel like maybe you can push a little bit further than some other guys then. I think it's on you to read the situation and and make the right decision. Um, and then Tyler says, what do you feel the lineup should be for game one? I went through it. Um, but to reiterate, Springer, Belt, Vladdy, Bo, Biggio, Kirk, Kiermaier, Chapman, Varsho. That's what I think it will probably be. We'll see what happens. But uh, we made it uh, after 162 regular season games. We are here. I toyed with doing uh, after every game podcast, but we'll see. Maybe I will. Um, I, I, am going to be, uh, working my day job, which is covering baseball, which is awesome. So it won't be at night. I could do morning after recaps. We'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling in terms of, uh, the energy, but I I'm, I'm feeling ready to go. I hope you are all too. Playoff baseball is uh, not an easy watch. Be prepared to be very stressed for at least a, ideally won't be four hours because of the pitch clock. So it'll be a little bit shorter um, of an experience, but uh, this is what it's all about. And we went a long time in this city without postseason baseball. And now for the fifth time in the last, I guess, nine seasons, the Blue Jays are in the postseason. So that's more than 50% over nearly a decade of, of baseball. So that's pretty sweet. And uh, I would just say enjoy it. However long it lasts, if it doesn't last that long, obviously that would be disappointing. We will break it all down one way or the other. Uh, I appreciate all the tweets at Goldberg 12 at DFA underscore pod is where you can find me, where you can find the podcast. As always, like, rate, review, comment, subscribe, designated for assignment wherever you find, wherever you find your podcasts. I'll be back shortly, uh, whether it's after game one, after the series. I'll be back here in the not-too-distant future to uh, break this all down. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Josh Goldberg. We'll talk to you soon on Designated for Assignment.